Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to More Outdoors on News Talk 560 KLVI. This is Chester Moore. Wrapping up tonight are Mythbusters of the Outdoors series in the... You know, the first episode, you know, we kind of kicked off this idea that there are many things in the great outdoors that are not what they seem on social media and around the water cooler. And tonight we're going to be talking about kind of a variety of these myths because there are just so many of them out there. And the first one we talked about was uh, the Black Panther and Cougar Mysteries. The second one we talked about you know, Speckled Trout Mysteries and the Lower Laguna Madre, where the freeze happened last year, probably the highest level for trout loss and some of the misconceptions and things. Of course, we had a great interview with Dr. David um, McKee last week. But this week, we're going to talk about several different outdoors mysteries and some of the myths surrounding them. The first we're going to talk about is wild canids. Now, with that said, this is a very broad term wild canids, wild canines. And the very first article that I ever had published when I set off on my career to be a wildlife journalist when I was 19 years old was about the red wolf. The red wolf is the indigenous wolf species of Southeast Texas. It is indigenous from Austin area of central Texas all the way over to the Eastern seaboard up into the Smokies and all that area. And by 1980, they were declared extinct in the wild by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. The idea was that because of coyotes moving from the west and to the east, that they'd encountered coyotes and the red wolf had been pummeled by government predator control programs. They had hybridized and created a mutt, so to speak. That was the kind of the official look at this thing. And between 1973... In 1980, there were over 400 animals caught by government officials trying to establish a breeding population to create um, a gene pool to draw from and save the red wolf from extinction. They caught over 400 animals, and by 1980, using skull measurements of all things, this is way before the DNA research of today, they found that there were... 14 animals that had kind of cut the mustard, so to speak, and were what they considered to be pure red wolves. They started a captive breeding program. And you can see examples of animals in that captive breeding program alive today at the Texas Zoo in Victoria. Uh, and you can see them in other locations. There have been some released. The only ones released into the wild currently are at the Alligator National Wildlife Refuge over in North Carolina. But the red wolf was deemed extinct in the wild because of hybridization. Now, that very first article was based on a report that I had gotten. And I was already investigating at a very young age. And there were animals that were definitely not coyotes. I mean, they didn't look like a coyote. It looked like a red wolf. 
and there was some reports, and I contacted a Texas Parks and Wildlife Department biologist at the time named Leanne Lynham. She was an endangered species specialist, and she was so kind to write me a letter back. This was right before email became a big thing. And um, she said that there were definitely animals in the area that looked red wolf, but they probably had coyote DNA as well. And that's where we're going to kind of kick off our conversation about this wolf topic tonight because, you know, in 2018, there was a specimen uh, taken off of Galveston Island, a roadkill. Genetic research was conducted on the animal, and it was found that this animal had genetic material that was pure red wolf. They didn't say the animal was a pure red wolf, but it had red wolf DNA in this animal. Now, I'm not a geneticist. I'm not a molecular biologist. I am not someone who can break down that part of it for you. But it was basically saying what this biologist, you know, many years before said is that there were animals in southeast Texas that have red wolf DNA in them. Now, it was proven. Now, of course, the Galveston Island thing is blown up. There are... There's like a, a Facebook group about it. People are out there trying to take pictures of the animals. I was in on this before it was ever released. And by the grace of God, I was able to write the very first story on this and won an award from the Texas Outdoor Writers Association for News Reporting in 2018. Very proud of that because that was the first article I ever wrote was on this topic, breaking the fact that Red Wolf's DNA was found on Galveston Island. Now there's a lot of research being conducted out there and other locations because of this. But the the myth and mystery part of this really is the misnomer of wolves in Texas, wolves in the South, and some of the information that people do not understand about wolves and the history here. Um, people have regional names for stuff. And I'll give you an example. So uh, the, the fish that I call a crappie, it's called a white perch by a lot of people in Northeast Texas. Same fish that I call a crappie and other people call a white perch in Louisiana is a sackalay. So you have a red wolf, which scientific name is Canis rufus. Um, and red is, ruf, uh, red is rufus in Latin. So Canis rufus. And that animal has been called many names over the years brush wolf, uh, red wolf, black wolf, Texas wolf, southern wolf, you name it. Even people call them timber wolves, which is amazing to me because if you've ever seen an actual timber wolf, a gray wolf, it's a radically larger animal. You know, your red wolf is going to be maximum 80 pounds, probably between 60 and 80 pounds. Where a coyote, you know, one of your pure coyotes is going to top off at probably 50, 55 pounds for a really big one. So there is a, it's like the, the red wolf is intermediate between the gray wolf and the coyote. And what people don't realize globally, far as species of wolves, red wolves are considered a separate species. There are only two species of wolf on the planet. There is the gray wolf. There is the red wolf. And there are many subspecies of gray wolf around the world. I mean, from Northern Africa to Asia and all over the world, there are subspecies of gray wolf. And there are animals like the maned wolf of Brazil that's not even really a wolf. So a lot of mysteries surrounding wolves, and that's going to be myth-busting myth in the first part of this program. 
And the number one thing that I want to get across is that there are, without a doubt, animals in Southeast Texas and beyond here that are very much red wolf in appearance, size, color, things like that, different than the standard coyote you would see in like maybe Central Texas or a coyote you certainly see out in Trans-Pecos, Texas, New Mexico, Colorado, and places like that. So there are red wolf appearing animals, but the thing we got to get across is the red wolf is not always red. The original animal that was called red wolf was uh, the black wolf, then later changed to the Florida wolf, and most of them were black, but they were basically the same thing as a red wolf. The identification of the red wolf came from... uh, uh, Bachman and Audubon, when Audubon was doing his wildlife surveys and, and wrote and did all the work and paintings for the amazing Quadrupeds of North America book. And he did this, and the red wolves they were seeing around here were red. And they named it the red wolf, and that pretty much, but a red wolf can be reddish color, they can be brown. There's even black specimens from the day and stuff like that. As a matter of fact, if you go to highercalling.net and look in the wolf category, our search wolf in the um, in the search engine at the top of the page of highercalling.net, you can see an article I did about this topic, and I uncovered a Louisiana uh, Department of Wildlife and Fisheries annual report from the 1930s where they had just hired a new government trapper to deal with wolves, and he is carrying, and a picture of this guy is carrying a black wolf, basically a black melanistic red wolf on his back. And uh, it's really telling, and it talks about the number of wolves and stuff they were killing back then. So there are wolves native to southeast Texas, southwest Louisiana, Texas, but um, officially... Officially, there are no wolves left in the wild in Texas. There are these canids that apparently at some level, some of them are wolf and coyote. Coy wolves are what many people call them. And uh, But there's a lot more to this wolf story. Um, and when we come back on More Outdoors, we're going to talk about the wolves of Texas and shattering some of the misconceptions about those wolves. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to more Outdoors on News Talk 560 KLVI. This is Chester Moore. So proud to be here for the last 23 years. Started this doing very young doing this program. And probably one of the younger people that have ever done a um, wildlife program on the radio. And so honored and privileged to still be doing this thing so many years later. If you want to check out the the archives of the program, you can go to klvi.com, click on the podcast link at the top of the page, and go back several years and listen to just tons of great interviews and topics and things like that. And we're continuing our Mythbusters series and tackling the topic of wolves tonight and uh, wolves in Texas. And we've established that the red wolf is a native wolf of Texas. They were declared extinct in 1980. A captive breeding program was started. And what's interesting about that captive breeding program 
Several of the animals that end up in the captive breeding program were caught in Jefferson County, Orange County, and Calcasieu Parish, Louisiana. Those were the last animals were caught. Jefferson County, Orange County, and Calcasieu Parish. As a matter of fact, they were catching them at the Hawk Club, which is off of Round Bunch um, in the Orange County area back in 1980. So, And that's just a few miles from my house. So kind of interesting that I was born in the epicenter of the Red Wolf thing. And what got me interested in them, I read an article, and I think it was Field and Stream or Outdoor Life, one of the two as a kid, about them being extinct and ended up seeing an animal that looked exactly like the animal in the article at my birth. My, my, it was not a, not a birthday party. It was my, uh, my end-of-the-year Little League party at Claiborne West Park. And um, this animal walked along the tree line. That was the first one of these canines that I've seen. And, uh, you know, for the, for the purpose of accuracy, we probably better call them uh, koi wolves, a mixture, but it's possible. There could be some that are pure red wolves out there. You know, we don't know, but there are no timber wolves. That's what I want to get across right now. When people say they saw a wolf, a timber wolf, a timber wolf is a gray wolf. And technically a timber wolf is a subspecies of gray wolf. And there are no gray wolves in eastern Texas. And a gray wolf is radically larger than a red wolf. If you've ever spent time, I've been blessed to spend a lot of time with captive gray wolves, uh, some 100, 120 pounders. And I've been able to see and photograph gray wolves in Yellowstone this year, uh, last year. Just a dream come true prospect for me. And once you see a, red, a gray wolf and you look at a red wolf, you'll never look at them the same. They're obviously different animals. But like we said, not all red wolves are red. I think that's what confuses people sometimes. But people are not taxonomists. They're not biologists. They're not even wildlife experts. They're just people maybe who hunt or fish or enjoy nature. Uh, and they see this and they relate it to what they know. So there are no timber wolves in Texas. The red wolf is considered extinct, but there's a jury still out on whether there might be a few quote-unquote pure ones out there. And if you really look at the science, there's even debate among scientists on what a red wolf is. Some believe that there is, and there's compelling arguments for this, that they're just a fertile hybrid of a gray wolf and a coyote. New research is showing that they're definitely their own species. It's weird. But we have gray wolves, and you got red wolves. And that's the two wolves that we have here in North America. No, Texas has native gray wolves, but there has been no proven evidence of gray wolves in Texas for about 100 years. Um, the Mexican gray wolf, also called the lobo wolf, which is a federally endangered subspecies of the gray wolf, lived in from, they kind of mix in the middle where uh, red wolves were in central Texas all the way out through Transpecos, Panhandle, down to Mexico. Now... They have their own captive breeding program, about as long as the Red Wolf has, and they've restocked them into White Sands Missile Base over in New Mexico and other areas. Highly, They're the smallest subspecies of gray wolf. They're very unique looking. They got kind of a unique coat and a little bit more like puffy fur around the face. And if you see a Mexican gray wolf and you look at like a timber wolf from up in Minnesota, both gray wolves, different subspecies, you can definitely tell the difference. And... Um, What's interesting to me is that I have a photo, and you can look at it at HigherCalling.net in one of my blogs. Type in wolf in the search engine. A woman in the panhandle 
sent me a photo of a, of an animal. She was wondering if, if this was a wolf. It was at a watering hole in her ranch. And she sent me a picture of a coyote on the game cam with the same watering hole. And it's just like dwarfed. This animal is without a doubt in my mind a Mexican gray wolf. And it looks, and I put a picture of one from the captive breeding program up up to show you in the in the blog. To me, in my opinion, it's definitely without any kind of any not even a hesitation, it's a Mexican gray wolf. These wolves sometimes will move long distances. There was a radio collared wolf that was radio collared in the upper peninsula of Michigan that ended up being killed in Missouri. That is a long, long walk across many highways and stuff. So for one to make it from New Mexico, where they know there's a monitored population over into the panhandle is not um, weird to me. As a matter of fact, about a decade ago, I was talking with a trapper. This guy's done government trapping, traps for private ranches out in the, in the Trans-Pecos, killed thousands of coyotes and traps, and told me straight up he looked right at a Mexican gray wolf about a decade ago in the Trans-Pecos of West Texas. So I don't get a lot of those reports. You know, um, you just don't. So it's not like people are like, oh, man, I saw a Mexican gray wolf. Most people don't even know what that is. So to have those kind of reports coming is interesting. So we do have indigenous gray wolves. There are no verified populations, but it looks like it's probably been a couple moving in from that population in New Mexico, maybe even from, from old Mexico, because there's definitely some trans-border movement probably of some of these remnant animals from the captive breeding population. But there are definitely, in the history of Texas, gray wolves. As a matter of fact, we had our own wolf subspecies, the gray wolf. We had the Texas wolf, Canis lupus monstrablus. And uh, it was a, uh, a pretty large gray wolf subspecies that lived up through central Texas up through like the panhandle up into you know thing would go up into Kansas and stuff but they were deemed extinct back in the 1930s and that's what happened with a lot of these animals I don't think people understand the level of wiping out that was done to a lot of these animals I mean I'm talking about like annihilated obliterated by government and private predator control there were no regulations against them there was poisoning trapping shooting, um, government, millions of dollars spent on government trappers and poisoning and killing of predators in the United States of America and wolves were the numero uno target of that. And they, the gray wolf was just annihilated for much of the, much of, of, of the country. And that's why the Yellowstone introduction back in 1995 was such a big deal because gray wolves had been relegated to a small population in Minnesota in the upper peninsula of Michigan, a few crossovers from Canada, but pretty much Canada and Alaska. And so that, that re reintroduction in 1995 was a big deal because there were none. Now they're thriving in Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, surrounding areas, moving into Colorado, moved into California, Oregon. You know, there's a big spread of those animals out there, um, and there's a lot of controversy over that, but there's a, there's a, been a big spread of that from the recovery. But if you're seeing an animal in Texas, it's not a timber wolf. It's probably not even a red wolf, maybe one of these hybrids with coyote DNA in it. It's very confusing what these animals are, but uh, I wanted to get this information out there because there's a lot of confusion. If you have a game cam photo, by the way, you'd like me to see of these, you say, hey, I, I saw this unique looking animal in my game. I'm not sure what it is. You can email me at chester at chestermore.com. That is chester at chestermore.com. I love the 
you know, give my opinion on that. And I appreciate all the game. I've, I've received thousands of game cam photos over the years looking at these canids, cats, all kind of animals that are out there to see. I'll never belittle people. You know, if they have a coyote, it's a coyote. But if they have an animal that looks a little more interesting, I'll tell you. But sometimes it's something pretty miraculous looking like this one that is the uh, gray wolf, uh, Mexican gray wolf that showed up on the game cam in the panhandle. I mean, that's a, that's a special one of my favorite uh, photos I've ever been sent. It's really, really cool. And um, But the wolf topic is is always intriguing, and people don't know that we had gray wolves in Texas, and then people, other people think that all the wolves, that are wolf-like animals are gray wolves. But the red wolf is the one that was indigenous to East Texas here. There are remnant animals that we found now on Galveston Island. I'm sure other places that have some DNA components of red wolf in them, but they're more coyote. And uh, who knows? You know, they may end up calling this some other species. Don't know. But uh, it's interesting information. If you want more information on these kind of animals, you can always email me at chester at chestermore.com. You can also go to highercalling.net, click on the subscribe link at the top of the page, get updates from that, and also check out all the cool articles on wolves and other interesting wildlife. Welcome back to more Outdoors on News Talk 560 KLVI, wrapping up our Outdoor Mythbusters series. You know, there are so many of these things out there that people, you know, misidentify or they simply have an idea that something in the great outdoors happened that did not happen. And there's no greater example, more common example of this than the myth of the stocking of the timber rattlesnake. Now, this will probably make a few people mad, but for years, I mean, my whole outdoors career, I've heard stories of timber rattlesnakes being stocked. People will say they were stocked in the Angelina National Forest, Sabine National Forest, on Type 2 land, the Big Thicket National Preserve, on their deer lease, at their grandmother's house, you name it. There are stories of timber, also known as canebrake rattlesnakes, being stocked. Well... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You know, this always bothered me because I communicate with fish and game departments um, and wildlife groups every single day of my life. And I never heard of a rattlesnake stocking. And if they do a stocking of any kind of potentially dangerous animal, they go to the public and have public discussion and hearings. And I get those press releases all the time of that kind of stuff. Never saw any of that. So I did some research. Come to find out, there has never been, never, a timber rattlesnake stocking. Ever. They never happened. They've never stocked them. What happened was, like 20 plus years ago, there was capture of a number of timber rattlesnakes in East Texas, and they fitted them surgically with radio transmitters and put them back into the wild. There was some information out about that stocking, and that grew into an urban legend 
of rattlesnake stockings in East Texas. People will argue with you all day long about this rattle. They'll even say the government secretly did it. They did not secretly stock rattlesnakes. There's no point in this, okay? They were naturally letting these animals recover, but there's definitely been some release of these handful, we're talking like a dozen or so, rattlesnakes that had the satellite, you know, or at the time um, had radio transmitters in them for study. They were caught in the wild and put back in the wild. They weren't bred in captivity and put out in the wild by the millions. People will, I've learned over wildlife urban legends, will get, they'll defend an urban legend more than they will truth. I mean, it's crazy, but I'm telling you, there's never been a rattlesnake stalking in East Texas or anywhere in this region for that matter. Uh, and last year, there was actually some release of some uh, uh pine snakes and endangered species that were also fitted with some tracking things. And I'm sure that's going to translate into being rattlesnake stockings and stuff as well. It's just amazing what people will, will, will believe if they, even if they hear the, the truth. I mean, if you hear someone stock rattlesnakes, I get that. But if you're said, Hey, this came from this, there's never been this. If it was true, I'd report it. I mean, come on. If there was a conspiracy, I'd be all over it, man. I'd be like, okay, we're going to dig into this and uncover it. No conspiracy. It's just something that grew out of an urban legend. And another one that I heard for years is that lynx have been stalked into East Texas. If you don't know what a lynx is, it used to be a car. But a lynx is a beautiful cat. You know, in America, we have the Canada lynx. And then, you know, there's a Siberian lynx and a Eurasian lynx and all these animals around the world. Uh, think of a bobcat on roids, okay? And they got the longer tufts on their ears. And because bobcats have quite a bit of difference at different sizes, areas, even kind of different patterns sometimes, tuft length on the ears, tail length, people will see a bobcat, a little bit bigger tufts on their ears or something like that and call it a lynx. There have been rumors that there have been lynx stocked in East Texas as well. Uh, there's never been lynx stocked in Texas. There's never been lynx in Texas. Um, that is a complete fabrication. Never happened. Uh, don't know where this one came from at all. But there are no lynx stockings. There's not been bobcat stockings. Bobcats are incredibly common. In fact, there's one survey about a decade ago that showed there was around 200,000 bobcats in Texas. No reason to even stock a bobcat. But because you'll see these bobcats that are larger or things like that, people will say there's been lynx stocked in Texas. That's a lynx. There are no lynx in Texas. The closest um, that lynx have ever been to Texas is like the northern tier of Colorado. Um, and I'm not even sure if there are any there left. I mean, lynx are a threatened species, and there's been some lynx, uh, you know, up in play, up up in the further northern reaches of the United States of America, but they're not an animal that was here. And you got to realize a lynx and a bobcat are very close cousins. They can interbreed. So a lynx, a Canada lynx is lynx lynx, scientifically. Uh, a, a bobcat is lynx rufus, which is red, red lynx. So there you go. There would be no point if you even have a lynx. A lynx wouldn't do well here because of the climate. So it doesn't make sense. Uh, be like putting a snowshoe here, which is the number one prey item of lynx in Texas. Wouldn't do it and survive. Wouldn't do well. 
Uh, bobcats are adapted to this. I mean, they're very similar adaptations of animals. I'm sure when they branched off, that's what happened. The lynx was adapted for the colder climates and the snow, and the bobcat was adapted for, you know, they'll live in cold climates too, but uh, they were adopt adapted for living in forest and lowland and stuff like that. So that's that's where you have that situation. So, And it's interesting because we don't need a lynx here to be fascinated with the bobcat. So we do have, I mean, bobcats are awesome, incredible animals and they don't get nearly as much credit. I would actually like to write a book about bobcats. I'm not sure if it would sell, but I think a bobcat book would be really cool because no one ever really talks about them that much. I mean, predator hunters do um, a few nature lovers, but you're talking about a little cat that's been known to kill full-size white-tailed deer and stuff. I mean, it's it's an amazing animal. While on this, we're going to talk about, you know, people have different perceptions of wildlife and danger. And we live in... And by the way, I hate, hate all of the ridiculous PC stuff where people's free speech is correct. And it's even went into the animal world. You can't say certain things about animal. I mean, without people freaking out. Oh, my God, you're putting a negative spin on that. Well, I like to put truth you know, reality. And um, so I get asked quite a bit about the danger of bobcats because people are encountering bobcats more in urban areas. They do very well. I've told the story before, but I was coming back from a concert in the woodlands. I was right off I-45 in the woodlands in the most developed area of the woodlands at a Burger King at about 1130 at night and a big bobcat walked right across the lane right there and walked right behind the thing where you order right there in the woodlands in a parking lot at nighttime with tons of cars and traffic. Uh, I have bobcats that live in my neighborhood. They live in areas all around the region with impunity in Houston, Beaumont, Port Arthur, Lake Charles, you name a city, we got bobcats in them. Uh, are bobcats dangerous? Not statistically, but potentially. There have been a few bobcat attacks, rabbit animals, animals cornered, stuff like that, but please do not feed them. There was someone who told me they were feeding five bobcats a night in their driveway. And then they quit doing it because one of them got mad and really like bowed up and it was growling at their kid. Well, they're a predator. So if you see a bobcat in your yard, don't call animal control. They're not going to come get it. And even if they set a trap, they probably would never catch it. The animal's not going to be there. Just leave it alone. If you're feeding cats or dogs outside, feed inside. If you have little Fifi the poodle outside, you might want to bring Fifi in and keep an eye on Fifi because they might decide to eat Fifi. But other than that, they're not a real danger. I'd be a mutton if you see a mountain lion in your yard. That's a different level. Mountain lions do attack people pretty much on an annual basis somewhere. But bobcats, not so much dangerous. But don't say they won't because they have attacked people. My friend Jillian was actually charged and one jumped at her and she literally moved out of the way on her deer lease one night. Uh, I've heard of other things like that, but they're not a dangerous animal. Don't be afraid if you see a bobcat in your neighborhood. Some people are like, it's not dangerous at all. And then other people are like, it's the most dangerous thing in the world. And it's kind of in the middle there. Just always respect all wildlife. And certainly if it's a carnivore, if you got a predator, you know, especially respect it in terms of understanding it could be a potential threat because that animal could do some damage. But people are so divided and we just like to give you the facts here on this kind of stuff and if i got an opinion i'll tell you it's my opinion my opinion bobcats are potentially dangerous but statistically not dangerous in other words it could happen but don't worry about it if you see one 
You see one acting weird? Of course, avoid that. But uh, we come back on more outdoors. We're going to shatter more outdoors myths. Welcome back to more outdoors on News Talk 560 KLVI. This is Chester Moore. Having a great time tonight talking about outdoors myths. We're wrapping up our series, our three-part series we kicked off the year with on outdoor myth busters. We started off with black panther myths and cougar misunderstandings. Then we went into speckled trout myths and mysteries of lower Laguna Madre. And tonight we've covered a lot of ground with wolves, covered a lot of ground with uh, lynx and the alleged, uh, you know, uh, stockings of rattlesnakes that's never happened. And if you missed all this, go back and listen to the podcast of the program. Go to klvi.com. Click on the podcast link at the top of the page. Check it out. Also, if you want to check out all of my work and follow my blog, I'm telling you, if you love wildlife like this, you need to follow my blog, highercalling.net. Go to highercalling.net right now. Click on the subscribe bar at the top of the page. Enter your email address. You'll get a confirmation there. Click confirm, and you will get... Subscribe to my blog, my award-winning blog, that will give you all kinds of cool information about wildlife updates and everything I do from podcasting to speaking and all that stuff. But literally every week, some kind of cool information on wildlife. And uh, happy to be here doing this for 23 years and talking about outdoor myth busters. And I'm going to end with something a little different tonight. This is not just wildlife myth busters. It's outdoors myth busters. And someone asked me, at a seminar about five years ago now, Chester, what is the most dangerous thing in the woods? Now, I'm talking about hogs this seminar. They're expecting me to say a boar or a bear or a rattlesnake or a mountain lion. And without even thinking, I just spit it out. People. Yes, people. Folks, the most dangerous thing in the woods isn't a bear, a boar, or a rattler. It's people. And if you look at it, and I break it down several ways, we've done several programs on this in the past, but we're going to hit it at a different level this year. People are the most dangerous thing in the outdoors. I mean, you have the level of, let's just talk about dangerous hunters. Most hunters are very safe, but you've got like 14 million hunters in the woods every year. And if you have, you know, 5% of those people, you know, that are, that are, that are misguided and will shoot anything that walks. It's a lot of dangerous people in the woods. And I think it's probably somewhere around that with people who are just, you know, don't pay attention, unsafe, shoot a direction. Don't pay attention. What's behind them. That's a small percentage, but that's dangerous, right? That's a danger. That's why I'm always wearing blaze orange. If I go in the woods, no matter what I have blaze orange, if it's hunting season, even on private land. The other side of this, the next level, will be down like running into a poacher. Poachers don't like to be caught. You run into poaching, maybe confront a poacher. That could get ugly. Then you get into stuff like meth labs, those kind of things. People who are just crazy in situations, bad. And then you go to the next level, and that is predators, serial killers, rapists, human traffickers. Those kind of things. We've had Jerry Dean with the Missing Texas 40 on here. And we've talked about the missing people in the Sam Houston National Forest. And then we've got something we're going to be talking about this year, which is the decapitation lines that have been verified and photographed and set in the Sabine, I mean, in the uh, in the Sam Houston National Forest, uh, where people are on bike trails. It's lit- people have literally set decapitation lines in there. Dangerous stuff, man. And, 
you've got that element of, of stuff like that. And it all birthed out of my encounters that I've talked about in the program before. You can go back in the archives at klvi.com on the podcast link and listen to those. But, folks, it's not just the wildlife stuff. And I really want to get this across. And we're from Texas, okay? Uh, I mean, there are people listening from all over right now, but most of the listeners from Texas and Louisiana. We're, you know, big, tough, you know, outdoors people, right? Use your head, okay? Don't use your bravado. If you think an area, if you, if you, if you think an area is dangerous, whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing, don't go there. Me and a friend of mine just talked about a specific tract of public land in East Texas that we both love to do research on. He and I both refuse to go there anymore because of dangerous elements that are there. So that's one of the things that I think is, uh, is, is just crucial to look at, researching areas. But you got to think about going into these areas. You know, I mean, you know, I've given a little example before. You know, little Susie from Austin moves in and, She's going to move in and she wants to go out into this East Texas public land and have a wonderful, peaceful, vegan picnic with her kids. And then she runs into some people that are on deliverance. Those people exist. There are traffickers and things. It's, it's rare, but it happens. So there's a human element in the great outdoors that is, uh, that's dangerous. And that's something that we overlook. And I'm committed to talking about this because... I think it's vastly, vastly underreported. Um, the hook and bullet outdoor media just doesn't talk about this stuff. And, you know, there's extreme cases they talk about, but they just don't talk about it. And I don't know why. And I think a lot of it's people are just too worried about reporting on big bucks and big bass and big trout and all that kind of stuff. Whatever. That's fine. I report on that, too. But I'm a wildlife journalist, and I want to go beneath the surface and look at what's really, really going on out there. And there's some nefarious stuff happening. And it's not just in the woods, it's on the water as well. I mean, we've talked to people on this program when we were doing live shows that, you know, we're having conflicts of the water, people being shot at. I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff. It happens. It exists. It is real. And, uh, you know, these things are out there. And the reason I sound the warning is I want people to be aware and think. You know, if you're going out there and you, you know, think, hey, I got a, I got a feeling about that, that something is not good out there. Guess what? It's probably not good. And uh, I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit has is, is warned me a couple of times. Like just I felt that nudge in my spirit, like don't go, don't go, don't go. And I didn't go. I'm not one of these guys go, oh, shoot at him. And of course, when I go out in the woods, I'm always armed. Of course, I take those kind of precautions, but it's better to not have to have an armed conflict, you know? So that's some of the stuff and also getting into different levels of hunter safety. Those are some of the things that are important out there. So the most dangerous thing is in a bear or a boar and things like that. It's humans. It's crazy people. And folks, look, the world's spiraling out of control. Things are getting nuts and uh, it's translating to some of these outdoors places, you know? And it's not always super remote places. To me, in my opinion, some of the most dangerous spots are semi-remote places on the edge of our cities. I've mentioned before an encounter that I had here in southeast Texas in an area 
that is just right outside of one of our main cities here about 20 years ago. And, uh, I mean, we had a guy call in who was hunting just outside of Houston and had a, a body. Someone murdered someone and threw a, and burned a body on the road to their duck lease. This happened right outside the Houston area. So there's things going on out there that are really weird. We talked about the smiley face killer phenomenon on a program back in October when we had William Ramsey on. We talked about all the stuff with Lyle Blackburn and his book, Sinister Swamps. A lot of things. And I wanted to end the Outdoors Mythbusters things with the, with the fact that people think that bears and boars and all that is the most dangerous thing. No, it's people. And, you know, my friend Josh found an inscription in the way in the back off trail in a national forest. He was bow hunting for mule deer in Utah. It said Ted Bundy, 1971. That's the forest he escaped to when he uh, escaped out of prison after murdering eight women in Utah. So did he come across the real inscription of a monster? And would he have known it was a monster if he had seen the guy, if he had been alive in 1971 to encounter that? It's a thought. The guy didn't look like a monster at the time. He looks like one now when you look at pictures from the past. But... We have to look at this situation and always kind of if you're running someone in the in the in the back country, you know, you always got to just be ready because you never know. I'm not trying to scare people, try to bring reality to it and and make sure that when you listen to more outdoors, you know, you're not going to get your standard outdoor show stuff. You're going to get stuff that interests me, the stuff I think is going to interest you, the things that we report on, the things that we investigate to me are incredibly important. And I think we can do some fascinating things this year with even deeper investigation, this human danger element, a lot of our wildlife myth busting stuff, and of course the standard hunting and fishing stuff we talk about. Thanks for listening. Thanks for checking out our three-part series. If you didn't catch all of it, go back and listen. KLVI.com. Click on the podcast link at the top of the page. God bless you, and have a great outdoors weekend. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.